Hello, this is Samuel Hansen, you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, Episode 8. On this week's episode, we discuss the Four Color Theorem, Einstein's Brain, and I, in general, disagree with everyone. Here it goes. Hello and welcome to CDC Building 7's Mailroom for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. This week we have three returning guests, so once again, no new guests, but we do have a person who's returning for the first time, and that is Leanne Duncan. Hi there. And we have the person who has never listened to a single episode of this podcast, Anthony Solari. But I, I am getting my superpowers. I'm working on them, so. Well, that's and that's Nathan Rowe is still sitting on the bench. That's true. No superpowers <laughs> for you. Well, you can I, be I my don't sidekick. Need I don't need him. I uh, get along fine. I'm like I'm like Batman. He doesn't have any superpowers. Doesn't stop him from being way the hell cooler. His and... superpower is to be able to do what he did for so long. I mean, there's a book that came out not too recently about whether or not it's possible for someone to become Batman, and <laughs> he actually found that yes, given certain necessary physical capabilities that you have. Right. I mean, cause, I mean, right. You have to be, a, you have to have enough intelligence. You have to be strong enough. You have to whatever. Yeah, and all that, all that is completely true. He did find that it is possible for someone to become like Batman and you know have all that stuff after about fifteen years worth of training, and then you would have an expected uh, life expectancy as the superhero. Not that you would personally die, but your body would be able to handle what Batman does with the no sleeping and the getting beaten up all the time for about two years max. Oh. After which point oh. you have to retire. Your body is essentially crippled by that point. He does. I, I never thought about Batman. When does Batman sleep? Does Batman sleep? Batman I... is on a lot of meth. It's why his teeth <laughs> are so bad. It's why he growls. On... <laughs> it's, it's all the meth that he does. Well, bats... Are bats nocturnal? Bats are nocturnal, but, but humans Wayne, has to be awake during, during the, day. the daytime. Right. So, right. so the Batman is awake at night, but and he just Bruce doesn't is get awake to sleep. in the day. But no, Bruce does get to sleep rather late since he is an international playboy. And yeah, he you know, gets to sleep. He gets to go to sleep at four and wake up at twelve. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah, oh. except for the fact you that when I was Batman, oh. yeah, that, that was my two-year stint. That uh, <laughs> that when you wake up, you're not nursing, you know, a bunch of broken bones. Yeah. Oh. That you then just wrap up and go beat up more people. But we haven't even <laughs> mentioned our topic for this week, yes, I which us. <laughs> which is the Batman. No, no, our topic is not the Batman. We have yet to come up with a math thing to do with the Batman. No. That's a good idea. Our our topic this week is the four color theorem, which is a problem that's been around for a long time these as days. As long as maps have existed. Yeah, well, I mean, basically, but the idea of actually formalizing it came in around like 1852 or so, 
that's the first time that there was a statement of the four color right. theorem. I mean, obviously, map coloring has always been an issue. Right. But I will, I'll mention the actual problem here. Uh, it it's kind of, it was common knowledge that you could do it with only four colors. No, with, well, with five. that yeah, with five, with five, five is simple. There are some that are hard to do with four. Very five. hard to do. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, I'll, we'll get to that in just a second. In mathematics, the four color theorem states that given any separation of the plane into contiguous regions, such as a political map of the states of a country, the regions can be colored using at most four colors so that no two adjacent regions have the same color. That diagonally adjacent are not adjacent. You have to be, you, you're, you have to have... You, you have to have a non... Just one point. Yeah, you have a to have non a non-zero length... Length, side. Shared oh, okay. side. Okay. Okay. So right. for, like, the four, uh, uh, the four corners mm -hmm. in the u.s it, it those are not counted as you know the diagonal the ones diagonal yeah the diagonals are not right. adjacent states yes and so i mean this goes back for quite a long time uh the five color theorem which has a very short and elementary proof states that five colors are sufficient and sufficient. that's and that's what was known for a long time if, well, if you have I a say, map when i say known i mean that when people were actually drawing the maps they, well most most real maps will never show up in a way that you need four colors because they people tend to you know actually make, make sense nice. at least partially when you're drawing a map you, you know mm -hmm. the actual borders may be very craggly that's what i meant right. by it was yeah known. I meant yeah it's known that you makers. could do it but given a really ridiculously hard map but the really important thing to realize for a, a lot of this is the contiguous idea because if you actually look at a world map uh if the world was drawn up in a slightly different way than it is four colors would not necessarily be good enough because we have non-contiguous countries such oh, as the united oh, states yeah. some states have pieces that are the same state but not connected yeah well it it it's like, country and, has states that are not you, connected, you want yeah. to you want to color all of the united the, kingdom the same color yeah or something, even though they have you know ireland off to the side and things like yeah that. and it, the united states is a great example because with like Hawaii, the united kingdom it's not a big Alaska. deal because the united kingdom doesn't hit anything yeah that's it does true. it doesn't that's actually true. have a border yeah. but with alaska hawaii once again not a problem because it's just sitting there in the middle of the pacific with no border on anything but alaska if it was bordered by other countries, specifically yeah. four total countries, it's only bordered by one other country, yeah. which is I Canada. Canada was part of America. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, well, America's <laughs> no Canada. Canada has free health care. Oh, they're not was... part of the United States, where uh, we pay yes. out of our ass for health care. Yeah. Yet, we're yeah. why would we want Canada? Why do we want I, to ruin those nice, nice Canadians' lives? <laughs> Canadians are fantastic people. I, this I past it's like, just like a suburb of America. Uh, this well, it it is. <laughs> that's that's completely fair to say. But I mean, this past week, I got to talk to and hang out a bit with a lot of Canadians when I was at that conference. And actually, at that conference, there was a Canadian. Uh, you guys didn't even know this. Doctor Berger is a Canadian. You're just segueing. You're just segueing me uh, perfectly. Uh, there's. And this was, uh, there's a Canadian named John Steinberger uh, from the University of British Columbia that is uh, working on a new proof for the four-color theorem. And uh, his work on the four-color theorem is, uh, it's quite interesting. He was actually giving a talk, a few talks before mine was, 
But before we actually talk about that, I'm going to have to uh, give an idea of what the actual proof is. And the proof is uh, you take, you try to find a unavoidable set. And this proof was originally done by uh, Apple Hacken in like 1989. This was not one of the Apple first proofs. Hacken. Apple and Hacken. Oh, 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 oh. oh, that would have been a better last name. Apple yeah. Hacken. Apple Hacken? <laughs> Nathan <laughs> Apple Hacken. Mass <laughs> Apple murder. That would be awesome. <laughs> Okay, we continue. <laughs> ah, Apple as a last name is actually still pretty good too. A P P E L E L not L E. It still sounds like Apple. Okay. Irrelevant. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so their their idea, and this this of course I'm getting information in the Wikipedia, but uh, Steinberger also also talked about it in his talk. If the four-color conjecture were false, there would be at least one map with the smallest possible number of regions that require five colors. Yes. yes. Their proof showed the that, that you find the minimal counterexample, and their idea was finding that the minimal counterexample cannot exist. Wow. And okay. so in order to do that, you find, you find an unavoidable set that contains regions such that every map must have one region from this collection. So you f okay. you you define a bunch of different possible regions, and then you get an un then you have an unavoidable set. So one of those oh. regions will occur in every single. Yeah, this little map. map's a submap of every other. Yeah, and then what you do is you take reducible configurations, which is an arrangement of countries that cannot occur in a minimal counterexample, and if a map contains a reducible configuration and the rest of the map can be colored with four colors, then the entire map can be colored with four colors, so the map is not minimal. Okay. And so you, you take those two things together, and you show essentially with that, uh, by doing a huge amount of computer work, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember. Was the... um, and so Apple and Hacken found an unavoidable set of reducible configurations, thus proving a minimal counterexample to the four-color conjecture could not exist. Uh -huh. And their proof reduced the infinitude of possible maps to 1,936 reducible configurations, later reduced to 1,476 reducible configurations, which had to be checked one by one by computer and took over 1,000 hours. And the reducibility part of the work was independently double-checked with different programs and computers. However, the unavoidability part of the proof was verified in over 400 pages of microfiche, which had to be checked by hand. So these proofs are hideous, mm. especially because uh, there's two different types of reducible configurations. I believe it's uh, D-reducible and W-reducible. It doesn't, sure. doesn't actually talk about it. In At least one of them is D-reducible. I think the other one's W-reducible. And it doesn't actually talk about that in the Wikipedia article. I'm trying to get this on oh, memory okay. from last Wednesday when I was right. at this guy's talk. And what he is in the middle of working on, and apparently he's pretty close to actually having, is a reducible, uh, an unavoidable set of reducible configurations that are all D-reducible. The reason you want that is because D-reducible configurations are understandable. Oh. oh, W okay. reducible apparently takes a huge amount of work to actually show they're reducible, a huge amount of paper, you know, a huge amount mm -hmm. of actual math. Where D reducible are clearly. Do you remember what the difference between uh, he D and didn't w? he didn't actually cover distinctly. He said one is very uh, oh, just, uh one is very top level, which okay. is 
de-reducible mm-hmm. and the talks are 15 minutes long oh yeah right. you don't you don't have you don't have enough time to actually go into it They're but he said that it, even he who has been studying this problem hates trying to deal with w reducible mm. and so he thinks he has an unavoidable set of 2832 de-reducible configurations <laughs> Yeah, which awful. is which is still a huge amount, but each one of them takes a lot less time to. But I don't. Out. I believe with that you would not need the uh, computer. Well, no, you would still want the computer. You'd want it. Uh, but if you yeah. spent the rest of your life, you wouldn't it. need the computer. But uh, I'd want the computer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it would be it would probably take less time to check, even though there's significantly more of them, because the uh, reducibility so part works so a lot easier. faster. Yeah. And it's just and it's just very interesting. I've always really liked the four color theorem. But one, it's a uh, my dad used to do it in classes all the time. He's a former math teacher, but he still does it with uh, classes he substitutes with that aren't even math classes, because it's really fun to do. Because what you you essentially you know just sit down a bunch of students. It works best if they're probably not high school, but elementary and middle school students, and just be like, do you know that you can only uh, color a map with that you can color a map no matter what map it is with four colors. And then you set them on trying to disprove it because nobody believes it the first time they hear it. I know I didn't. I heard it the first time I think I heard this properly formalized was in college. And I spent the next few days trying to draw a map that took five (laughs) colors. Mm. It's a very natural thing to do. I mean, you always want to, you know. Disprove whatever you're told. Yeah. yeah, Nobody wants to listen. And this is something that you easily can. Yeah, well, you can attempt. Just like, just like, uh. I don't know, but but um, Fermat's last theorem has had has had so many hundreds of proof attempts, um, and the twin primes of... conjecture. There have been false proofs of the twin prime conjecture like seven hundred times. Yeah, a lot um, of modern mathematics was invented in an attempt to solve Fermat's last theorem. It yeah, no, that's actually true. instigated a lot of yeah. modern mathematics. All the false attempts. Yeah, and there's a huge amount of false disproofs actually of the four color theorem. Um, and a lot of them, it, apparently the New York Times refused as a matter of policy to report on the Apple hack and proof, <laughs> fearing that it would be shown false as the proofs before it. Mm. Well, the New York the New York Times has had a history of, of being wrong. I actually learned in, a, in my physics class the other day that in 1920, <laughs> the New York Times had this editorial talking about uh, Goddard, the physicist, mm. and how he proposed to go into space. And the New York Times just ragged on him saying he didn't know anything about physics any high school physics student could tell you that there's no way a rocket could work in space because there's nothing for the force to push against (laughs) so then (laughs) in the late 1960s the new york times published a new editorial apologizing for the 1920 editorial (laughs) said the new york times regrets the error <laughs> oh, uh, newspaper journalists make great physicists. So. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but one uh, one thing uh, possibly that is even more interesting than the four color theorem itself, because honestly, unless you're a cartographer, four color theorem not that big of a deal. It's just, I mean, it's fun, and it's one of those things that people continue working on forever because we have no elegant proof yeah and we always as mathematicians want that elegance if you need a computer to prove it 
<laughs> and yeah. and that's one of the things about this. It was the first major theorem to be proven using a computer. Hmm. Of of you know the major known theorems, right. the theorems mm -hmm. that people know about. It's the first one that ever used a computer. That and there's right. actually a movement right now to create a formal proof. So a proof written in the simplest quantifier language, which will probably be thousands of pages long because formal proofs always are super long, yeah, but they're super <laughs> easy to check. Oh, oh mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Because and uh, any to write it can check a formal proof. Yeah, exactly. With, with very little written code. And you usually write them using computers. There's actually yeah, a formal computer or formal proof computer out there right now, I believe. And they're actually trying to use that to do the four color theorem to create a perfectly formal oh. Proof that doesn't necessarily rely on you know checking all of these damn mm. things against one another, mm. but yeah, I mean it's and apparently uh, some people would refuse to actually uh, accept this proof. Not all mathematicians would accept this proof because it was infeasible for a human to check it by hand. Yeah, when I was when it was actually first written, I had a lot of professors that were like, I don't know if I believe this because. The only way we know whether or not it's true is because the computer tells me it's true. Wow. It's like if I yeah. can't read it and check it myself, I'm not well, sure. Well, yeah, it's but true. There's a, with there's it. Issue with, well, with it's because. Computer aid in mathematics. Something. Well, mm -hmm. it's a lot of mathematicians are very poor computer scientists. <laughs> and they and they immediately thought when they when you, this came out, I'm sure, especially could, at that point, was like, hey, man, I would have to check all of this. I, I can't even do that. Instead of thinking, hey, I could just go through the few thousand lines of code. Yeah. Yeah. If the code works, and I mean, that's what, I mean, algorithm proofs. Yeah, yeah. To show that what you get out of an algorithm is right, you don't manually compute it using, you know, by hand techniques. You check the code. And you, yeah, you, right. you probably have to check the higher level code, and also you'd have to know how the computer actually works through the code. Well, sure. I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes that, it I like think drops that... off integers and that may be. Oh, oh. well, well, yeah, but that's part that. of yeah. your that's part of your coaching. You right. do computer stuff, right? I, I've taken a year of C plus plus. Yeah, and, and I've I think I've probably done a little bit more computer stuff than you guys have. Uh, I've been programming I've since I was. But six, actual like but... theoretical stuff. Theoretical computing? No, I've I've read. Yeah, and and that's it. and that's some of the things you check when you do. Yeah. When you do algorithm proofs, you don't just check do these steps work. You check to make sure the input is coming in correctly. You check to make sure the output is leaving correctly. You check to make sure that the you keep the right amount of margin on all of them. So yeah, you can check all yeah, of that just in there. Yeah, okay. you're in the algorithms class. Yeah, I'm. Know, I'm right? doing algorithms I didn't work know right that now. Was actually part of the algorithm. Oh yeah. Okay. On that case, yeah, that would work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I there's there's been a big there's been a big like issue against. I mean, the mathematics community doesn't like to trust computers, or they want. They want I do. everything to be... <laughs> Even in our math classes, people. we teach people to do math without their calculators. Oh, yeah, well, but, but that yeah. is so that they understand the concept. As far as I'm concerned, once they can show that they can understand the concept, I tend to give them, you know, questions that are simple, that yeah. are easy to do by hand. If I give them something that's yeah. hard to do by hand, I'll let them use a calculator because... They understand what multiplication means, and well, it tends to be that's what they yeah, have to do. Well, it's like I don't mind using a computer as soon as I understand exactly what the computer's doing. Well, yeah, but um, you yeah. understand that when if you're a, if you're a mathematician who's well, using I mean, a computer to do the proof, you understand what the computer's doing. You're you're well, making yeah. it do. 
But yeah, yes. that's yeah. like a lot of people don't know how to take the square root of something. They assume the first step is you plug it into a calculator, you take the square root, and it comes out. And as soon as you know what algorithm the calculator uses, it's no problem. Yeah, I try. I, I, when I was in um, in high school, I always used to wonder, you know, how does the computer spit out a square root? How does it spit out a log, and a and a natural log, and blah 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 blah. And then, and so I found it like fascinating when I learned about Taylor series expansion and and, mm -hmm. and other ways to other convergent series to get to these irrational numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, how about how a computer multiplies? Because Christ, that's complicated enough. Yeah. The, well. I mean, addition is freaking weird because it's just exclusive ors with ones. I mean, I mean that's that, I don't know. It's <laughs> well, uh, yeah, especially if you go down that deep, you yeah. really start yeah. getting crazy things. But you know, like the way uh, the way a computer does say uh, uh, expansions, you know, not not just uh, not just you know regular multiplication, but you know, binomial stuff oh, and things like yeah. that. And if you do it the normal way, the way that we would expect to, you end up, eh, what, like, order n squared, something like that. But uh, through uh, something that Gauss actually did, they've written a divide and conquer algorithm that lets you get the order uh, into the 1.59. <laughs> and, it's, and it's by doing these weird, weird things with it. <laughs> or no, it's, it's not binomial expansion. Binomial expansion's easy. Mm. Uh, no, it... Uh, foiling stuff oh, okay. you know okay, you have yeah. a quantity right. times another quantity yeah, yeah. with you know variables involved yeah you don't you don't actually just do all the multiplications really yeah wow but it's so easy yeah, just to just do the multiplication yeah it's easy by hand <laughs> but if you're doing a huge amount say your n is very very large it order n squared and order into the 1.59 is a huge difference that's true in runtime and then Okay, all right, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell like. How do you get to one point five nine? I'm assuming it's irrational. <laughs> oh, uh, it, it's through the master theorem in uh, for recursive functions. Well, well, I mean, it's it's one point five nine dot dot dot. It's oh, not, uh, it's not probably. It, it's we just in computer science you. Uh, you're almost as bad as uh, physicists or chemists with uh, rounding. <laughs> you know, just you just oh. approximate everything. That's why you say order one point five nine. That's just the upper bound. Well, I remember. I remember That's worst case scenario. I remember proving um, in in um, what what the hell class numerical methods or something that the that the order you you could get you could get an approximation of of the derivative and make it semi-linear or something like that but we actually proved that it was that it was instead of it being you know just 1.4 something we actually proved that it was the square root of two or or the golden ratio or something like that and so so it wasn't it wasn't just some ar arbitrary number 1.59 we knew the exact value and it was the golden ratio and i don't know is 1.59 close to the golden ratio 1.59 is some logarithm uh oh it, because it's with it, the with okay. the master theorem you have t n t of n equals a times t of n divided by b plus n to the k that it, it's just a recursive function mm. okay. that that you'll run up against with 
recursive computer mm -hmm. algorithms constantly. Mm -hmm. You'll find things of that form. And if what A is less than B to the K, then you're in order into the K time. Mm -hmm. If A equals B to the K, you're in order into the K log N time. And if you, uh, if a is greater than b to the k, then you're in order n to the log base b of a time. And that's where okay. you get n okay. to the 1.59. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you get log. Oops. Yeah, it's log base b of a. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm almost entirely sure I got all of those right. I may have <laughs> screwed up somewhere in there. I'm not, just I'm, hope your professor's not listening. Oh, not man, I, I really hope, uh, Professor Bine, Bine. If, Bine, if you're listening to this, please email me. <laughs> yeah, give me an email. Drop me a line. Tell me where I screwed up on that. <laughs> Except I think he's in Kyoto right now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What's mm -hmm. going on in Kyoto? Bine. What? I, like, I don't know. He, he is going on. He's, <laughs> oh, he's, man, he's yeah. Dr. Bine. <laughs> he's got his own <laughs> Yeah, it's you know he's he's sitting there, sitting there out in Kyoto, telling everybody you know you should really listen to Combinations Permutations. They do a fantastic job, and then they'll all download this episode from you know our various websites, and then they'll all email Doctor Bine back, like you know they just talked about you for like twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like you you're just like name dropping now. You're like, hey, listen to these guys. They talk about me. His Airdos number is two. Uh, so is my advisors. Dr. Oh, yeah. Shu's got a number one. Yeah, he's going to make my number two. I yeah, I, I hate you because I'm going to have a number three. One day I'll get a number one. No, you uh, won't. That, you no. can get his notebook, <laughs> you... apparently. No, yeah. yeah, you can get a yeah, number one. Yeah, you can still get a number yeah, one. But you have to publish with you his will never. Right. <laughs> you, you will never get your... Body a little bit. You will <laughs> never get your hands <laughs> on his original work. <laughs> Uh, maybe not. I I I have no intention of trying. Actually, it's just kind of cheating to have a one at this point. I, I no, it's agree. not. I I definitely. It's agree. more work for you. Before you could just get a one by being friends with them, be like, and saying one thing while he's working on something. Then your name shows up on the paper. Now you have to parse through a bunch of things and actually write stuff. I was yeah, I was but... just gonna resurrect them. <laughs> oh, that would that's, be a little bit that's not so Some much Some smelling work. salts, heat them up, get them to sign the bottom of the paper. You know, you know, like <laughs> then he can die again. Uh, throw, if you throw them in the microwave, uh, oh, it, might, it might actually get get cells moving no. and things again. No. Like because I heard, I heard there's a microwave... lot, there's a lot of metal in the human body, <laughs> and it's faster to microwave. It would probably explode the microwave. Oh, just the microwave. Uh, uh, save you some time if it does work, Phil. I just think I, I'm I'm fairly sure that you know it'd be like Einstein's Einstein's electric flow thing. You know the microwave. What would get Einstein's currents. brain? No, the the microwave would get current. I, I read that fantastic, again. fantastic book about Einstein's brain. About about his brain, not about what his brain did. Oh well, he, they talked about it somewhat, but that was really the boring part of the book. <laughs> to be to be to be completely, it was called uh, Driving Mr. Albert. A trip across the United States with Einstein's brain, which is completely fair because he actually took a trip across the United States with Einstein's brain in the trunk. Oh, what the hell? Oh, didn't you know they took his brain out? Yeah, I knew that. Part. And and then drove across the country. Well, no, no, no. They they took his brain out and then kind of lost it. Great. Oh, that part Great. I didn't know. Oh yeah, they they lost it. <laughs> yeah, this job. dude had it. Uh, <laughs> well, he was he was Look one of the I doctors. <laughs> uh, there's there's all kinds of stories, but I, I thoroughly suggest reading that book. It was fascinating. 
really fantastic. Now, Nathan had something he wanted to bring up that he wouldn't tell me about earlier. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it ties in a little because mathematicians have always been afraid of computers and things like that. And today, (laughs) the, you know, like... We're I'm really math- afraid of bridges. Like we're like we do not want to go across these bridges unless we go across each one exactly once and end up back where we started. Oh, whose problem is that? The bridges of Koenigsberg. That's it. Of course, we're talking was, about graph theory by, already well, today. I Euler by Euler. Yeah. Euler. I was about to say Euclid, and I was like, no. It's not <laughs> yeah. yeah it's Koenigsberg didn't even exist. Yeah, I was thinking K, and I couldn't get a name out. Oh, no, Euler, Euler, Bridge, Bridges of Koenigsberg, Euler. We're talking about four-color theorem as a graph theory problem. That I, I knew it was a graph is the, theory is the start like the original graph of graph theory. theory. Problem. Yeah. I knew the problem. Was yeah. but, but, I mean, mathematicians don't consider a proof proved until it's published in a journal. A, yes. Like, it, has to be, it has to be written down in a published journal. Like, people, they don't peer even reviewed like... Peer-reviewed journal. Be peer-reviewed. They don't even like, like uh, online journals because it's not... It's not quite, it has to be written. You know, I, I don't know. Ed, Avarex or Arabix or whichever the name of that is actually gets a huge amount of traffic. It's a place where you can upload stuff to oh. your know, actual, you know, non-peer reviewed papers too. Oh. And then people will read them. And it, it some people are actually just publishing their work straight up on there now, even when it's not nutsoid. Oh, so most of most of the stuff, <laughs> even <laughs> non nutsoid papers. It's I mean that's <laughs> there was a there was a potential proof of the Riemann that was put up there. Obviously that was nutsoid and turned out to be completely false. It was a possible <laughs> disproval or something like that. It was um, it, it was wrong uh, well, because I, we would have heard it. I would have heard about it. Aware yeah. of that uh, quantum thing that I printed off for you last semester. Uh-huh. That was, I got that, that was off nutsoid? there. No, that was not nutsoid. <laughs> that was a completely non nutsoid thing. But I got it. I got According it off that. Sam. Got it off that <laughs> website. I'll I'll try to find out what the name of that website is right now. But yeah. you continue talking. Anyway, anyway, the the idea I had is you know a lot of mathematicians a lot of mathematicians hate writing up papers because it's a lot easier to prove something by writing it down or to work it out on a board or whatever. Typing it up is obnoxious and it takes hours and. And it's really hard. But to it's get. completely necessary because that's how you show all of the work properly. Well, my idea, my idea was Arzix, what, what makes A R X I V dot O R G. Yeah. Anyway, but X-I-V? what what makes a proof valid is not is not how pretty and perfectly written up it is. It's the peer review process, more, really. I mean, the validity of the proof makes it valid. Yeah, but when but... you send in journal articles, you can send them in very poorly written. Part of the peer review process is also an editing process for your writing. No, they they, no, they, they don't. They usually just send it back. Yeah, to they, make they say it, it needs to be perfect before they'll accept it. Well, before they'll accept it, but part of the peer review is to help you also clean up your writing. I don't know. Yeah, but that's just three times well, as much anyway, work for you. Well, anyway, the idea I came up with was, um, you know, there's no... There's no limit to how much information we can throw out there. So why not create an online journal uh, where you submit videos of yourself working out the proof and explaining the details? That's because you could always kind of gloss over things. Some people are incredibly good talkers. I'm not a huge fan of that idea. Well, the the reason I like the idea is because it simplifies the publishing. Oh, um, just saying, we, we already have something for that. It's called YouTube. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm. But this yeah. needs to have official. It's the peer review. I'm. T- I'm saying that makes. So people valid. submit them all to a group on YouTube. 
you have a website out there that just uh, that will review all the ones that get submitted to that group, and then they'll embed that in theirs. The only thing I'm I, mean, wor I was worried about was that YouTube might then own all your math work. Exactly. No. No, they YouTube doesn't actually own anything yeah, they do that's have, on there. They, it's like anything that's thrown up there has no, a it, certain anything that's thrown copyright. up yeah it's a proper copyright it's not creative commons or anything like yeah. that but you can claim a creative commons it's like Flickr. it's like you, you know when you post up pictures you still own rights to those pictures okay. they do not own rights to those yeah pictures. you're not you're not giving google the rights to your video yeah when you upload um, something to youtube facebook has been changing their policy no they they switched it that. back be, yeah it, apparently it, there was some controversy. there was there was some controversy it a lot of it came down to the fact that uh their lawyer lawyer type people don't really talk to their tech type people. <laughs> their tech people wanted rights to some of the things that get put up. Yeah. Some and some of them technically I could see I I'm not a huge fan of them claiming rights to anything that gets put up. But some of the stuff that gets put up they do. The lawyer type people are like, "Oh, they want rights. We're going to claim rights to everything in perpetuity even if you delete your account." Yeah. And, you know, which was essentially claiming rights to all images, yeah. video, cool anything. Yeah. yeah, and it took them, what, like three days before they got rid of that they from their to, terms yeah. of service. There was but yeah, I don't, I do not like the idea of a video journal. I just think, I, I know that, mm. I know that a lot of professors prove things and then don't bother writing them up because it's just a hassle and it's not worth it. Yeah, but if it. it's you a, can... if it's a big thing, if it's an important result, they will still do it. They will that's, still write it down. That's actually and the not and the videos, true. The videos are not – you would never be able to cover what you, everything that you need to. Like when you do a paper, when you write a paper up, you have to put in so many past things. Well, that's the idea. You, I was think, He was thinking you could kind of have an outline of the thing. You would have a bibliography with a reference No, you still need everything. It's, it would never survive any sort of proper peer review process unless you put everything in. I mean, you, you would still have well, to submit a formal bibliography, of course. Um, and I think that, that, you know, a lot of proofs, you you have to list out giant matrices and things like that. And there's no use writing those up on a board. So you might as well have supplemental materials typed up or something like that. If you're typing but, stuff up, just type up a paper. No, well, the... I have no problem with the idea of, uh, you know, people explaining their proofs in video. That's fantastic. I love that idea. It is not a replacement. It's a supplement. I just think the old timers wouldn't go for it. Well, of course they wouldn't. It's on yeah, a computer. But new timers yeah, right. will come around eventually, and then it. No, it's yes, it's yes. a it. I have no problem with it as a supplement, as a supplemental thing. Well, no one would that argue is against fantastic. it as a supplement. I mean, that, yeah, that, it's that's not just a good idea. It is not a replacement. But I think that I think that um, a lot of it could be replaced. Um, no. Well, I think when I'm sitting in a math class, does it, it when the professor proves something up in the board. It usually doesn't bother me that I don't have a piece of paper in my hand that also says because the same can... thing with all the background information. No, because it's something like that, but this that's not a journal. It's not you and you can also interact with this person. You can talk to them afterwards well, like where where did that come right. from? You have access yeah, to their you, office. So you... you don't have that on an internet video. Well, you don't You'd have, have that with a published paper either. Usually published papers only like Three or four pages, you and half the material. Half the material I've never seen a published paper that's shorter than eight. Most of them are yeah, sixteen. Actually, the ones I've seen in journals are, are really long, and that's because they have to fill it with so much BS at the start, like introduction, and then the bibliography is twelve pages. And I've then... seen some five or six page ones. I've seen some really short ones, and they just they include the core material, and then they have a 
reference to where they got everything else from. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you don't have to. You don't have to teach everybody undergraduate algebra, graduate algebra. Well, I guess I mostly look at. Of... I mostly read graph theory ones, and those tend to have quite a lot in them. Oh, maybe it's the difference in subjects. Yeah, the and, ones I read in number theory are usually pretty short. And and plus, if like the work that I'm doing with the zero sums of planar graphs right now, mm -hmm. and the magic labelings of planar graphs, it would take me to actually do it formally in a video form, it would take me probably two, three hours to do it. How long would it I'm take you to write up? Yeah. Well, it's it's already pretty much written up. Oh. It's, How long that's, did it take you? Not not that long. I mean, it took, it took longer than that, but I wasn't having to do it all in one sitting, standing up in front of a board, constantly erasing things either. Well, you can always cut the video into multiple parts. There's... Yeah, it doesn't it have to be continuous. I, I think I think that some proofs could be done even better on video. I I still view it as a supplement. I do not. I don't. Well, like I mean, there, there's. But no... I mean, as far as problems with journals, I mean, if you just look back, uh, yeah, some around the end of December or so, um, it's you had uh, there was the story about uh, El Nashi, editor in chief of the scientific journal Chaos Solutions and Fractals published by Elsevier. Uh, highest impact, it has one of the highest impact factor journals in mathematics. The quality of the paper is incredibly poor. Mm. Like, the impact factor is, it's not necessarily a good indicator of the quality. And so, I mean, there are a huge amount of issues surrounding it. And I, one thing that I think could actually be helpful and make it a lot easier to write papers is if you could do more papers like you were talking about. A three or four page paper, incredibly easy to write. If all I had to do was cover the core stuff, instead of having to spend, I don't know, a good eight pages on prior background. prior mm. background stuff, which thankfully I didn't actually have to type up. I just took that from... <laughs> stole it from... Stole well, it. I did not steal oh, it. Oh, yeah, it stole it's, it with permission. It, I didn't <laughs> even steal it with permission. It's my co-authors. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's legit. Oh. Yeah, that is completely legit. There's okay, there's absolutely nothing he wrong. Steal it from? <laughs> <laughs> he wrote the original paper. He essentially developed this area as far as I can tell. Mm. And and so, I mean, it's it I didn't have to type that up. But if you could just essentially have, you know, have a like a Twitter for math journals. You know, I mean, except obviously yeah. longer than 140 characters. But a math journal that only would accept things that are two pages. Make it an online thing, like quick hits. Yeah. And and, and a uh, two pages worth of work and then a bibliography. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good. One, it would make it a hell of a lot easier to read. Uh, well, it, those papers. it'd be much denser. It'd take you forever well, to read the two pages. Yeah, it could but... be much denser. And the other thing is a lot of people might, if you put an arbitrary just like two pages as the limit, then a lot of people might end up cutting a lot of necessary things and say, well, and, and, and put a dot, dot, dot in their explanation or something. Yeah. Repeat the but process But then it wouldn't similarly. get through the, when, well, yeah, but if you right. say repeat the process, ow, that's a, uh, repeat the process similarly, there's, that makes perfect sense. Right, but but you can stretch that a little bit just to shorten the length. So that yeah, but then it won't get through the review process. I mean, but some, I mean, that limits, that limits the papers that can get through is what I'm saying. That's fine. Some proofs cannot be proved. That's fine. Pages. You need, one of the, I think one of the issues with, I mean, math journals, math journals do have certain limitations on all of them. I mean, 
the one that I mentioned that had issues, I mean, that obviously dealt with, you know, fractals and chaos. You have, you know, Ars Combinatoria deals with, oddly enough, combinatorics and graph theory. Who would have guessed that, a, you know, something titled like that would deal with discrete math? You have, you know, geometric journals. You have algebraic journals. What happens if in, instead of that we start limit, doing length journals? I mean, there's so many different ways we can split things up, especially with the Internet making it so easy to publish things. Yeah. And why the hell aren't they published in such a way that a normal person can actually get to read them? That's yeah, my biggest problem with journals. Well, well, Bigger than any other problem I have, the only people who get to read these things are people in a university. Yeah, that's true. The individuals cannot afford the journal. The journals. Yeah. Right. Well, the, well, the reason true. the reason journals are, are set up like this and, and whatever is because um, it's about a prestige thing. No, okay. it, 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 I, I actually I actually had a exist. heard a decent thing about this that just saying they charge that much because they can. Oh well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The journals charge that much because they can, but but the journals, the journals, um, the prestigious journals, yeah, the, are that, prestigious simply because they reject so many people. And... But the the whole prestige thing seems to be a bit of a moot point now that you have people like Harvard and MIT forcing their professors to publish only in open journals. Everything gets released online for free acts free and open access so everything everything has to but it, but they can also publish in other journals. no all of their stuff has so, to be released in an open so journal. never again will a harvard professor Wait, i think it was some areas of harvard i think the entirety of mit so so wow. so never again will an mit professor publish in nature that's gonna uh, make their school look awful no it won't they're mit it, well, right, you right, know what it right, does. Right. You know what it does is it brings prestige to the open journals. Yeah, well, and it well, no, I mean, someone needs to do it, but do but you can you but, can come up, you can take the list. But I think Nature has almost all of their stuff up for free. I don't know. I, didn't I, know I think true. their website is. But you can you can list top universities and sciences. Um, you, if given any any ranking, I mean, not any ranking, but any uh, ranking that makes sense and then compare that to the uh top the universities that have the most publishings in nature and they'll be almost the same list because nature magazine is but uh, even nature journal not magazine <laughs> and, and i don't think that nature is free i think you have to go get the... it through the university but part of your part of your original thought for doing this open sourcing journal thing was to get things published that weren't necessarily important and so you know people didn't really have the motivation to write the whole thing up but still i mean it, it's not so important that but, someone would want to write right. it up but it's still a but proof. It's, it's useful and it and can it's help proof, someone else do yeah. something bigger so so all, all i'm saying it's is like a lesser is, paper there's a huge right. amount of things available for free on the nature website but is it is it everything I, mean, I don't know. I don't know publishing. if it's everything, but it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter. You do. I mean, if MIT is requiring their people to print it that way, it will just bring prestige. It's not going to lower the prestige of MIT. It's it's not, especially now that there are so many different outlets to get published in. Yeah, it's just. I think that there's some. And there's something of a crisis in 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 the in the scientific world. Uh, yes, because we need. Internet 
to move everything to an open manner. And even right. Google is in on no, no. Google shut that project down. They didn't have the money to run it anymore because of the current economic crisis. But they were working to get open a huge just to open to everybody all of this scientific experimental data. Mm. You know, and just because these that people be don't great. you don't once you do the experiment, you don't have any more use for your data a lot of time. But somebody else may actually be able to use that because they have a bunch of ideas that your data would be able to provide them and they can't afford to run their own experiment. Exactly. The right. Science, science knowledge more than any other form of knowledge needs to be free and open. It is what makes our lives better. It is what just, it pushes us to the next level. And if that info isn't available to every, it used to be available to anybody who could understand it. It used to be available to any person who could understand it would be able to get that data. Well, I, science builds to? on itself so much. I, I mean, mean, anybody who had yeah, what what when are you, when are you with the proper about? people? Yeah, anybody, well, yeah, anybody if, that if you had, had access to the publication. No, no, I'm talking what I'm talking farther back than that. I'm talking, you know, Royal Society of England times. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, if you, you did only... not have to have connections. You got those connections as soon as you started studying in that field. As I said, ability to yeah. understand it. Yeah, but I'm saying if you weren't, you you had to you had to you in the university. You, you know that attached to a library. Okay, or... think think about it this way instead. James James Watson, you know the guy who invent, or invented the guy who uh, arguably uh, realized the double he him and Crick arguably realized the double helix oh, yeah. structure of DNA okay. with the help of that woman. Yeah, who they stole it from. <laughs> uh, that woman. They stole. I don't that remember. Woman. I didn't. I couldn't remember. <laughs> well, either she, of the guy's she, I mean, either. she didn't. She didn't actually. Uh, you know. She had the idea. She had well. She had the the image. Yeah, she like, had the she, she had the image and thought that that might be how it worked. They were the ones. She I mean, had a vision. but they constructed and proved that it's feasible and actually got the. Yeah, and and so you know that's fantastic. James Watson's grandfather uh, was a cobbler, and you know shoe repair dude. Okay. Uh, who at one point carried on a correspondence with Charles Darwin as a cobbler. It's like I. Uh, I saw this. I saw this uh, insect. Thought you might be interested, and sent it to Darwin. Darwin answered back. You would never ever see some famous <laughs> scientist this today answering back to some fucking shoe repair guy. It's like, hey, I found this insect. You might be interested. Well, part of the reason is probably also that nowadays people can be assured that their information is being disseminated. How journals. can you be sure? It's being it's being disseminated at least to people in other universities, people who see the journal. Yeah, it's being Back disseminated then... to your fucking tight ass circle jerk group of friends. <laughs> yeah, but it, you only had to did you just say that about the whole academic yes, community. Yes, they're yes, all fucking all, jerking each other all, off. No, we're not. I, I swear. Yes, that is. <laughs> I am not in is, there doing that right that now. That is all it is. They're fucking jerking each other off. They're just talking back and forth to one another. They're completely divorced from reality. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they, they only have to say, okay, I'll, I'll, without the curse words, I'll grant you that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even, well, I, I guess I cursed a couple of times, but well, in okay. general. Without the picture, then. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very graphic Graphic picture. But yeah, but they only have to write it up once. They publish it in the journal, and they get all their... Uh, nappy friends i guess to read their, to read the journal and then they only have to say it once but back then you had to go and tell each of your individual friends or you could write it on a piece it. of fucking parchment give and, it to the royal parchment. society and then it got and disseminated then, and then you had to circle it around but yeah you'd be you'd be much more inclined to tell but people but it was about still a did. lot more open 
Well, I mean, I think a lot of people, if someone came up and yeah, people, like asked one of the yeah. professors, here's something, they'd probably sit around. And yeah, but I think that. No, but yeah. it's so hard to, you know, find out who did anything because you don't have access to the fucking journals to see whether or not they did right. it. I, I don't I, I don't think that people tried to copyright their proofs and keep them from they, they would they would want as they many do people. now. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm saying, but back then, you're right. People, people didn't try to keep their their name was on it. That was safe. enough. But I, th right. I probably the story with what was it, Watson or Crick? Watson. 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 So, well, it's it's just it's, it's, a, it's an it's an incredibly story. interesting story because you know his Watson's grandfather was you know corresponding with Charles Darwin. It's I mean that's just cool. Yeah, just because it's an unlikely situation. Yeah, I mean that's probably but Darwin what, that's answered probably why it's a Darwin story. answered almost everybody who ever wrote to him. And he was, you know, not a non-famous guy. As a matter of fact, he was a very famous, and I, I imagine he probably didn't answer all the death threats. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I How will do you die. Yeah, that's threat? true. He, he must have gotten so many Thank threats. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you for your interest in my work. <laughs> I appreciate the sentiments, but I'm afraid I will have to decline. Yeah. Dying next Thursday. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> no. I'm the, all for knowledge open needs to be free. Scientific. Just creative commons. I mean, the important thing with science for a very long time, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't have the right to patent their discoveries. You know, if you're an engineer, chemist, physicist, mathematicians don't tend to get too many things that we can patent because, well, at least uh, the ones of us in here were more on the pure side of things, and so therefore, you know, there's not that much money to mm -hmm. be made directly from our work. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not too easy to patent something. But I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to patent the work. That, I believe, they well, they should be able to make money off of their inventions. That but, is that is fine. But the actual, the actual you know, knowledge, well, back that in needs day. to be given away. Their name is on it. The most important thing to an academic, the most important thing is getting cited. Well, I think I think I think it's probably I don't it's think to get your name on a damn proof. Yeah, but I think we've been going from less open to more open because back in, one of the reasons oh, oh, we have patents we we have been so that, going recently from less open to more open. Well, I but that is a reason, trip from having gone from being quite open to being goddamn close. Well, no, there were a lot of mathematical proofs back in the day where people would send, "Okay, here's a question. Can you answer it for me?" And they would never share the proof with people. That's because they didn't really, because it was just a question they had. They weren't thinking there was a theorem, but the person who no, they, answered they, the question no, 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 very they, well could have. I'm thinking like Gauss. Written. He would figure out Gauss. Gauss, Gauss. Sorry, Gauss. Or Fermat. They would be like, we have this proof of this great theorem. I'll send you a letter. And because I have the proof and you're having a hard time getting it, that proves I'm smarter than you. And they would keep these things secret. Well, Fermat because... didn't Did necessarily Fermat write down judge? anything. Yeah. He was a judge. Yeah. Right, but Gauss, you can't claim that Gauss didn't disseminate knowledge. The yeah, man they did, but there, what I'm saying has is... his name on more damn things than Erdosh. Yeah, but there, there were a lot of... You had to keep everything secret because there was no way that you could keep somebody else from stealing your work. Well, you Nowadays, had to, you we had have to keep, patents. You had to keep that key. You had to keep all that stuff. You had to keep all of your work secret until you were done with it. In which, at which point, you published it. They published all the time back then. You had to keep it secret because there was such 
competition, which is something the math world has lost yeah. a huge amount because we've become so broad. And so everybody does have an area where they tend to be able to work on without other people competing against. Not true back during, you know, the Gaussian days. But Gauss published a huge amount. He would keep it secret while he was working on it so that his initial insights didn't give somebody else yeah, the, the insight. Well, but was, he finished them. And then you'd have to spread it out so broad that everybody knows you did it so that no one else could steal it. Yeah, that's why you publish. That's always been why you publish. That's still to this day why you publish. As soon as you're done with something, you need to publish it. Otherwise, nobody will believe that you did it. But I still think, I don't know. It just seems to me, due to the patenting process and the ability to disseminate all this information so quickly, we've become a little more open with it because we're sure that we can like due claim to, the, to whatever. Due to, the pat, due to the patenting process, it has allowed for some more openness, but patents are still hidden for a decent portion of their existence. Uh, you can decide whether or not to let anybody know what else is in your patent. Well, 10, 15 years is short when you're speaking historically. Yeah, when you're speaking historically, but those people way back in the day didn't really keep things shut up for that long either for a lot of them. Um, I mean, it that has it caused some more openness, but that has not caused more openness in things that are copyrighted. The copyrights, patents, completely different things. Yeah. Patents deal with physical things. Yeah. Yeah. And the invention. Ideas. Copyright is idea, and we while patent has allowed more openness in inventions, that is true. It uh, copyright has shut down the dissemination of actual knowledge. There might be something to that. And on that in terms of patent. Yeah. On that yeah, incredibly happy happy note. I will let you know that this is a Creative Commons podcast, so you can share us for free. As a matter of fact, you can remix us. You can even make money off of your remixing because we are on a attribution share alike. Just say that we did it first. That's all we're asking. And this is Combinations and Permutations. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Well, that's it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you want to get a hold of us, please email us at combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com. Also, check out our blog at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com. This episode has been licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. All the music that you've heard on this podcast is from SP12. If you like what you hear, go check them out at opsound.org. Thank you for listening.